0: Explorable is a podcast about travel, disability, and inclusion. I'm Josh Loebner, Director of Strategy at Design Sensory.
1: I'm co-host Toby Willis, Senior Product Manager for Inclusive Technology, and President of the Ability Inclusion Movement at Expedia Group.
0: We're both blind. And we love everything travel. This is Explorable. We interview experts advocates, and allies of tourism, destinations, and disability
1: to make each journey more explorable.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Explorable Podcast, where we find out about destinations and disability and how they both connect for the better. Toby, just a quick check. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing all right, Josh. Thanks for asking, as always. And uh, excited to meet Carrie and learn more about uh, the work she's doing.
0: Before we meet our guest, Toby, I've got some questions to ask. So have you ever right. been in an airport and just maybe kind of felt a little uncomfortable or, or had some trouble going through TSA or or, or just uh, some challenges?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. I travel a quite a lot or I used to travel pre COVID quite a lot um, for my work and for pleasure. And uh, you know, I, I navigate uh, the airport using a guide dog, which introduces um, uh, a level of complexity when going through uh, airport security for sure. And that, you know, adds a lot of stress and anxiety to my trip.
0: Definitely. I think we all, regardless of ability or disability have some story where there's, maybe tension at an airport and today we're talking with Carrie Major she is the special projects manager for the arc and also drives initiatives with wings for autism. Carrie, welcome to the show. We'd love to hear a little bit more about you and what you do with Wings for Autism.
2: Hi Josh. Yeah, thanks for first of all thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Um Said I am manager of special project at the Arc's national office in Washington, D.C. Um, I started with the Arc about eight years ago. Um, I work on the program sides of the organization, running a few of our different national initiatives, and about three or four years ago, I think it is now, I took over for the Wings for Autism program. Um, so my main role for that program is to, to help grow and expand it from the national level um, I seek out new airport and airline partners to work with, and I, you know, based on you know inquiries or requests that we've received from families, I try to target specific areas to bring bring the program to. Um, we were in about 34 states so far, but we haven't been in every one. So I'm trying to, you know, continue to grow the program and expand it to more more locations throughout the U.S.
0: And just as a quick follow up, some of the questions that I asked initially of Toby and, and shared a few challenges. When it comes to airport and inclusion of people with disabilities, we often think about accessibility. Accessibility, for example, for blind people, uh, people who are deaf, or people who have mobility disabilities. Tell us a little, little bit more specifically about what Wings for Autism does when it comes to people who have neurodiverse disabilities.
2: So Wings for Autism is, a, is essentially a uh, trial run of all the steps involved in the air travel process. Um, you know, as you guys said earlier, there's a lot of different things that go into getting on a plane and, and taking a flight. And the from the lights in the airport to the the crowds, to the noise, to the... Um, you know, the uncertainty of going through TSA security, you know, there's a lot of unknowns. And so people are afraid to fly because they don't know how their loved one with the disability is going to react to all those different, um, you know, obstacles in, in one place. And it can be a little bit of a sensory overload. Um, so our program basically allows families to come, go through all the steps involved in the travel process to learn how their loved one is going to handle it, to familiarize them with the process, um, and to, you know, give them the skills and confidence that they need so that they are able to travel in the future. As a bonus too, you know, it's, it's also a learning experience for the um, airport and airline and TSA employees.
1: Yeah, I think that's such an important point is um, for for the able-bodied uh, staff to understand what the disabled traveler is, is experiencing and having that opportunity to, to learn and prepare. Um, hey, Carrie, I just wanted to Uh, clarify for many of our listeners um, who might be new at the top of the call, you mentioned um, that you work for ARC and I'm not sure if all of our listeners know what ARC is. And so I'm wondering if you'll just uh, step back just a little bit for a second before we get uh, further into the details um, and tell us what ARC is. And also um, if you don't mind sharing why you do this work and what's your disability story, what's your relationship to the community.
2: Sure. So the ARC is one of the uh, oldest and largest nonprofits that serves and advocates for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, We are a membership organization. Like I said, I work at the national office in DC, but we have over 600 uh, state and local chapters spread throughout the U S that are doing you know, on the groundwork, doing everything from, you know, um, you know, state policy to um, providing daily supports and, um, vocational and employment services and, you know, training and things like that. So we do a kind of run the gamut of doing a little bit of everything um, with the individuals that we serve. Um, We also at the national level, we run a couple um, national scope projects and we have a policy team here that, you know, fights for the rights of our um, individuals at the federal level as well. Um, So the the main goal of the ARC is to make sure that, you know, people with intellectual disabilities are included in, you know, all aspects of their community and can live, you know, full and um, supportive lifestyles. That's great.
1: And how did you get involved?
2: So I don't have a personal connection to disability. I was um, I have a health and fitness educational background. So I was originally hired to work at the ARC through um, a new health program that they were starting. Um, So that's what brought me to the ARC and and working with this people with disabilities and i found it really interesting because in all of my studies on health and fitness you know disabilities was briefly touched but we really didn't go into it nearly as much as as it you know needs to be discussed and people need to learn about so i feel like it was a great learning experience when i first joined the arc and i've just been excited you know every day since then to to learn more and more and to grow and to, you know, help, help support um, people with disabilities every day.
1: I think that's great. You, you know, we need allies. We need advocates. Um, even though there's you know well over a billion people in the world with disabilities, um, I think it takes a concerted effort. This is a social movement and uh, it, it takes allies and advocates to, to, to really uh, scale and sustain disability inclusion. So, so thank you for, for the work that you're doing. Um, I've often heard how our able-bodied allies enjoy working in this space because it's an interesting challenge and and I appreciate that. And it, it's, um, again, we, you know, we appreciate your support and your allyship in the community.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Even without my disability, my wife would say I'm a challenge, but. Uh, <laughs> Josh, you're
1: challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so am
0: so, I. <laughs> <laughs> so Carrie, what are, what are the experiences like? I, I'm sure there are lots of, Minute details, but if you could just at a high level for the families who experience it for the first time, and for the airports that you onboard, what is Wings for Autism, um, kind of from a process standpoint? Sure. So basically, a
2: like I said, a Wings for Autism is kind of like a travel, a, or a, a trial run, um, you know, process. So we go through all the steps involved in air travel as if you are going to take a real flight. Um, So when we hold events, you know, families come by coming to the airport and they check in at the ticket counter where they get a fake boarding pass that they use to then go through um, TSA security. Um, The security screening process we've learned can be very nerve wracking for first time flyers if you're unsure about the machines and the process and the different noises that are involved. Um, So we encourage our participants to bring a small carry-on to the event so they can learn about what happens to your bag as it goes, you know, through through the conveyor belt on the X-ray machine and and understand that they get it back on the other side. They kind of learn about the X-ray machines and how to stand and hold, you know, hold their hands up, things like that. Um, And then once through the security screening process, families find their way to the gate area. Um, we always do like to build in a little bit of wait time at the gate area because I'm sure we've all known from traveling, waiting can be a large part of the air travel process. So um, this time allows for families to see what supports they need if they were to take a real flight, whether it's, um, you know, whether they realize they need noise canceling headphones or more snacks or video games or things to entertain themselves. So things like that, that they can kind of do a trial and error run to see, you know, what supports they need further for a real flight. Um, Then the participants board the plane. Um, On the plane, the flight attendants run through basically their their generic safety procedures. They close the overhead bins because those always make a loud noise. So We want people to be aware of that as well. Um, And then we just encourage our families to explore every aspect of the plane from the tray tables to the window coverings and seats. You know, we always encourage them to look at the bathrooms as those are obviously very small and can be problematic for many. Um, And then we just want them to interact with the um, airline um, staff, the flight attendants and pilots, you know. Um, We we always say the best way to learn is by asking questions and interact. So we want our families to learn about flying by asking questions. And in turn, we want the um, flight attendants and pilots to learn about our families by asking questions back. So we want it to be like a hands-on, you know, learning experience as well. And as a bonus too, a lot of times we will have the cockpit open and participants can come inside and, and see the cockpit and take pictures and ask questions about that. And that's a kind of a real fun experience to get to see the inside of a, of a cockpit and, and, you know, see the pilot and stuff like that.
1: You touched on this earlier, Carrie, um, that an added bonus to this, uh, activity, which I see is almost integral as, as part of a training exercise, um, with the airport staff, what, what's the feedback you get from them? after this, you know, after the trainings?
2: So we've received really positive feedback from from airport, airline and TSA employees that, you know, volunteer their time for our events. Um, a lot of times, if it's the first time doing an event, sometimes you, you know the airports or airlines can get n- nervous when I tell them I'm going to bring a large group of, you know, people with disabilities to the airport, and you know, and for some of them, it's their first time really interacting or you know, um, y- y- you know, dealing with people with disabilities, so they're they're just a little bit nervous. But you know, after every event, they always come up to me and say, you know, this how great of experience it was and how beneficial it for, was for them. And um, I've even had many. St- you know come up to me and and joke that they think it was more beneficial for them than it was the actual participants so i think that um, we've received really good uh, feedback from the airports and airlines that we've been um, working with we also do um, in addition to the actual event before the event we do a short uh, like classroom style training with the airport airline and tsa staff that are volunteering for the event as well Um, i like to think of the training as like a disability 101 course. Um, we walk them through what's going to happen in the event, and then we go over, you know, autism and disabilities, and just some common traits and characteristics that are associated with them. Um, and then we also go over just some typical scenarios that could arise, you know, during the event or or in the future when people with disabilities are flying, and best ways, you know, to approach those situations in, in the event or in real life afterwards. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a soft skills training as well um that also that time also allows people to maybe ask some questions that are they feel a little uncomfortable asking to a person with a disability or a family member you know maybe they're a little bit more sensitive questions um, but we, we want them to ask that in that space and feel comfortable because we feel it's the best way that people are going to get educated and learn about people with disabilities to ask those kind of difficult questions um, so we, we really feel that you know pairing kind of the the skills from the classroom training and then the you know real life event is really beneficial for for our partners for this.
0: It seems like over the past few years that autism and and neurodiversity to an extent have become more accepted and, and part of more conversations and commitments whether it's through destinations and marketing or just more broadly in the disability community. Have you seen in your work over the time with Wings for Autism Uh, conversations change when it comes to being able to bring up what you do is it uh, a little bit easier now can you share maybe some things that uh, from when you started to where you are now how the conversations may have changed hopefully for the better
2: yeah and I think they are getting for the better now too I mean I, I think like I said sometimes you know the first time we have events people are a little worrisome and and you know um, just concerned about what's going to happen, but a lot of times our our events once they host it once they are um, you know they come back every year to host host another event. So I think we have a, a around a 75% or 80% you know repeat rate, uh, rate of events that if they hold it once they continue to hold events again because they they see the benefits of it. Um, and I, I think also having these events makes people kind of think about different things and think about really think about the supports needed for passengers with disabilities. So we've seen a couple of um, sensory rooms get created based off of some conversations and partnerships developed from our local chapters with these airports, which is so great to see those happening. And um, I've had other contacts, you know, airports contacting me asking about, you know sensory rooms and the benefits of them so i think people are starting to realize that these are you know some changes that are going to be really effective for for this customer base and you know to really think about the different supports that are are needed um so so while i think that there still is a lot of improvement that needs to be made i think these conversations are now starting and developing and i think that's you know the first step in in really helping to improve these these processes and make changes for the right direction I, i I think a lot of the airports and people that we've been working with really do want to help make this process easier for people with disabilities. And they, they really, truly do want to learn about the steps that are needed to to create, uh, you know, that change.
1: Carrie, I live in Seattle and I've heard uh, SeaTac Airport here has um, a, a quite robust program around this uh, experience. I'm wondering if you're familiar with that program and and um, and how do other airports, you know, hear about uh, wings for Autism. How are how are you getting the word out?
2: And that event is a great one. That's a really big one. I know um, the one at SeaTac Airport in Seattle. I think we've had that for several years. I think they're actually one of our first events ever for the first year of the program, um, and they are very popular there. I think we fill up in less than um, less than a day. I probably even couple hours maybe and they always have a waiting list that's that's very large so um, we're very proud of that event and what the success that they have had you know so far in what they've done. Um, As far as advertising for events we do have a A WINGS for Autism webpage on the ARC's national webpage that we list all of our upcoming events throughout the country on and the registration pages for those. Um, Every event is kind of done on a first come first serve basis and there is limited seating based on the plane size. So that's why we have registration links for all the different areas. Um, sadly, if you go there right now, there there is nothing listed because we are um, at a little bit of a standstill due to COVID-19 safety precautions, but once, you know, everything is back up and it's safe to hold events again, um, we would house all of our list of upcoming events there and we'll continually add events throughout the year as they are, you know, being added and coming up. So you can always check back there to see which locations are being added. Um, we also like to try to promote the program from a national level by doing you know things like this like podcasts and interviews and any you know media that we can get um, i think social media is um, a very powerful tool now as well to just promote events and word of mouth too um, a lot of families will come to an event and then we hear that they tell you know five of their friends and then i get contacted by them so that also helps a lot from past participants um, but otherwise, I partner with a lot of really great local chapters who actually implement the events in their area, um, for example, the one in Seattle as well, and they they are really the all-stars doing all the work on the ground to promote the local families and recruit the local um, participants for their events, and they do such a fantastic job getting the word out and recruiting people in their communities, so... Um, it's kind of a combination of both of that
0: that's been, you know, largely added to our success in that. And and how many airports, just as a follow-up, have participated in the program uh, in the U.S.?
2: So we are at, I want to say, 70, 75, somewhere around there. I am blanking on the exact number right now, but I think it's about 75.
0: That's great, and I'm sure that translates to uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of passengers and families that have participated in the the program.
2: Yes, definitely. We've, we've worked with, I think, 16 different airlines. Um, I we've been in 34 states, so we still have quite a few states to come to, but we've slowly growing it.
0: And, And that leads me to my next question. What do you feel like is the business case for welcoming people with disability? I think those numbers prove it out, but are there any other points that you could bring up as to the value of doing this from a, Business case?
2: Sure. From the business side for airports and airlines, uh, I think these events are really reaching out to a whole new customer base of individuals that never thought that traveling by air would be an option for them. So, you know, these families come to an event, they become familiarized with the process and gain the skills and confidence that they need to make air travel a possibility. Um, You know, there's a lot of unknowns about air traveling. You know with especially with the loved one with a disability you know like I said from the lights and the noise and things like that so families don't want to risk buying a plane ticket and then have it be unsuccessful and you know take the risk of losing all of that money that they've saved up to be able to take this you know this trip so these events really allow for families to come and you know test it out and see if this is a potentially a I think that they can actually do in the future um, and some people, you know, it may not work for. They may need to come to a few events to be able to get comfortable with it. But for many others, it does kind of, you know, allow them to see that this is a realistic thing that they can do. Um, so it, it just really kind of opens up the doors to so many new adventures. So I kind of see it as a a win-win all around, where our families get now to the chance to travel and experience new things, and you know, the airports and airlines reach a whole new customer base that is, you know, willing to. Buy airplane tickets and come to their airport, and you know purchase foods and goods in, in their stores and their you know restaurants in the airport as well.
1: So, Carrie, I'm wondering if uh, people, um, families, and, and travelers with autism uh, can contact you directly or or your program directly. How would they go about doing that?
2: Yep, they can contact uh, me directly at uh, Wings for Autism at thearcdi.org by email, or they can also go to our website which is the arc.org backslash wings to learn more about our program and events coming up. And my email address will also be on that webpage as well.
1: Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And it's been such a pleasure to uh, get to meet you and learn about the work that you're doing. Thanks for coming on the show.
0: No, thank you guys so much for having me. This has been great. Carrie major everyone with wings for autism. Carrie, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. This has been a, an explorable podcast. Thanks so much. Toby, Brad, take
1: care. Explorable is a Design Century original production in collaboration with the Travelability Summit and produced by Brad Carpenter. Find out more about our productions, podcasts, and insights at designsensory.com slash originals and travelabilitysummit.com. You can connect with Josh Loebner or myself, Toby Willis, on LinkedIn.